In the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. There is always the danger in ritual and religion of having them become empty pageantry or vain superstition. And the season of Lent in general and Ash Wednesday in particular are certainly no exceptions to that. So it's important for us to ask, what is exactly Ash Wednesday and what are we doing here? Well, historically, uh, sorry, Ash Wednesday is the first day of this season of Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter. Historically, Lent has been a season of preparation and penitence. New converts would prepare themselves to be baptized on Easter, and uh, Christians who were separated from the fellowship were, uh, on account of their sins were reconciled through penitence during Lent. It is a season devoted to self-examination and self-denial. Of course, Jesus taught his followers that every day should be a season of self-denial. It was Martin Luther who famously said, all of life is repentance. So why does the church calendar devote a special season to self-denial? Well, it's not because we shouldn't be doing it at other times, but rather because if we're honest, we're prone to get distracted and busy. When left to ourselves without any sort of guidance, we tend to drift astray. So the church in her wisdom has designated Lent to be specifically a season devoted to repentance and prayer and fasting and giving to the poor. And Ash Wednesday is intended to start us off on the right foot. As we'll hear in a moment, Ash Wednesday is about two things. It's about making a right beginning of repentance and marking our mortal nature. Shortly, you'll be invited to receive ashes on your forehead. And throughout the Bible, ashes represented both our need for repentance and our mortal nature. Recall Job, who after he encountered the Lord in all his wisdom and grandeur, he falls on his face and confesses, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. Or in the book of Jonah, when Jonah finally goes to Nineveh and the entire city ends up uh, repenting and calls for a fast and the king gets off his throne and puts on sackcloth and he sits in ashes. Ashes are a sign of mourning and contrition for one's unrighteousness. And this is where it's very important that we actually take note of the readings for Ash Wednesday. The gospel lesson, lesson in, on Ash Wednesday is always from Matthew chapter 6. And the first verse of Matthew chapter 6 says this, Beware of practicing your, un, your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then the rest of Matthew chapter 6 goes on to list a few ways that people tend to do that. They give so that people might see them, or they pray so that people might see them, or they fast so that, might, that people might see them. And Jesus explicitly tells his followers not to do that. It defeats the entire purpose, and they've already received their reward, is what he says. So it's an important corrective, because on Ash Wednesday, ashes for many can be a sign of our righteousness. Uh, there's the temptation to wear our ashes out of here and have it be a sign that says, everyone, look at me. I've gone to church today. Look at how good I am. 
We, w- we must remember that ashes in the Bible were not a sign of someone's righteousness, but their unrighteousness. I love the story that one author told uh, about an Ash Wednesday encounter she had. She was kneeling at the altar rail where the priest was coming around uh, marking everyone's forehead with ashes, and there was a, a preteen girl about 11 or 12 years old a few places in front of her, and uh, as the priest came and smeared the ashes on her forehead, she quickly turned to her mother and said, do my ashes look all right? It's funny because of course they didn't look all right. You had this large black smudge on your face and there's nothing cool about that. But if we're honest, all of us can relate to that little girl. Uh, We like to think that we're all right. These ashes that we can receive in a moment are a tangible reminder that, oh, we are not all right. These ashes are a physical sign that there is something terribly wrong with us. We are unrighteous, and our sins are like scarlet. And all our efforts to pull our hair over the certain parts of our lives or to rearrange the thorny places of our hearts in order to make them more acceptable, all of these are futile. So let these ashes serve as a reminder that you are deeply flawed and sinful and in need of repentance. Let us mourn over our sins and dust and ashes. But ashes also are, uh, secondly, a sign of our mortality. When you come to receive the ashes, you will hear these words, Remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. These are the climactic words of the curse that God proclaims uh, to Adam and Eve in the very beginning of Genesis when they broke God's commands. Death is part of the curse of sin. Romans says that the wages of sin is death, and through the trespass of one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin. Death is the consequence of sin. And so, just as ashes are a sign of our sin and our need for repentance, so too they are a sign that we are destined for the dust. We live in a day that can't face death. It's impossible to walk down King Street or see any billboard, really, and not be confronted with our culture's insistence on defying aging and denying death. Probably the clearest place we see this is either at the gym or the grocery stores. We, uh, there's fitness and, and diet and good health, all of which are, are good things, but we've made them into ultimate things in our society. We're obsessed with good health in order to keep death out of sight and out of mind. And so it's essential that you hear this uh, at least one day out of the year that you and I will die. And the church in her wisdom again has given us this one day where our mortality is front and center. I'll never forget the first time when I was ordained I imposed ashes on the congregation. Everything started off okay. I was in a church with a lot of college students and so they came up and I marked their foreheads with ashes. And, but then there was this elderly woman who was uh, near death, and she hobbled up to the front. And there was a giant lump in my throat at that point. And I think I barely got out the words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And then she moved slowly out the way, and my own children were right behind her. And then I just lost it altogether, actually. They were bright-eyed and full of smiles. 
It's one thing to face the harsh reality of death when it's on your doorstep. It's another to face it when you're young and full of joy and optimism. But in Ash Wednesday, we are all forced to face this important truth of our mortality. We are men and women marked for death. We are, as the psalm puts it, but grass. We are flowers of the field. When the wind blows just barely over us, we are gone. And we need to remember this, not because we are gloomy lovers of darkness, but because the truth will set us free, Jesus said. Meditating on our death, it can be a very good thing, an important course correction for our society. A sense of our mortality encourage us to realign our priorities, to live with a sense of urgency, to live in light of eternal things. It strips us of any illusion of control we may have, and it makes us hold on to the things, even the good things that we love, even uh, more lightly. And in turn, we are actually able to love those things and people better. Ash Wednesday is not for the faint of heart. Ashes serve as a sign of our sin and our inevitable death. And I've never been able to go to an Ash Wednesday service that wasn't actually heartbreaking. And I pray that it never will be the case. Because sin and death are worth weeping over. And yet, superintended over these ashes, the final word that is etched on our foreheads is the cross. Death and our sin do not have the last word on Ash Wednesday. We don't mourn our sin or grieve death as those who have no hope. The cross is where all those who are plagued with their sin and wary of death, that's where they must look. For it was at the cross that the wrath of God was poured out on God the Son so that we might be forgiven. And it was at the cross that the death of death was swallowed up through the death of Christ. And that makes all the difference as we enter the season of Lent. The the cross enables us to look honestly in ourselves. We can face the nooks and crannies of our sinful hearts without lying or wincing or saying half-truths because we know that our sin has been fully dealt with in Jesus Christ. We're not trying to pay Him back. We are not trying to work our way back into God's good graces. No, the key to Lent and the key to finding God's power in your life to defeat sin comes when you recognize that the penalty for your sin has already been paid. It was the great hymn of John Wesley when he said, Jesus breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean. His blood availed for me. So let us enter into this season of Lent boldly. And may we come to experience the freedom and the joy that comes when we deny ourselves and follow after Jesus Christ. Amen.